You're listening to Japan Baseball Weekly. News, interviews, analysis, and hot takes about all 12 NPB teams. Hosted by Jim Allen and John E. Gibson. Hi, and welcome to the Japan Baseball Weekly Podcast. It's for the week of June 27th. I'm John Gibson, and with me bright and early on a nice and hot and sticky Sunday morning is Jim Allen, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. <laughs> I can assure you I do not have a bushy tail, nor <laughs> nor are my eyes ever bright. I had that I had the LEDs removed. How you doing, well, man? I'm doing well. Thank you for prying your eyes open early on a Sunday morning to do the show. No, I have no. uh, yeah, I have to get the kids. Actually, we're going to go on vacation in August, which I think I told you about. We have to get the kids' passports updated. That means we have to go to the embassy and. That's going to work out on tomorrow, on Monday. So a long day. So we're recording a day earlier than usual. Apologies to you guys. Uh, we don't get all the uh, results from this weekend's, in some cases, very high scoring, <laughs> but very compelling series. But we'll be back next week at the usual time. Yep. And glad to be with you. All right. On this week's show, we've got no guests per se. We've got Michael Westbay, who's going to make a cameo appearance on here with uh, something that we might we might call the West Wing segment. Mm. So that should be fun. Uh, we're going to look at the new managers, the big boss, the anti-big boss, and the guy who you wouldn't know because he doesn't really make much noise. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, then we're going to talk about Shogo Akiyama's impending return, go rockin' with Roki, and some more. So let's start swinging. Clearing the bases! Okay, right. Well, uh, before we, we get too deep into here and now stuff, I just wanted to mention that NPB this year is promoting the 150th anniversary of baseball in Japan. Yes. And it's, yeah, you know, so you've seen, if you look at the web page, it's got the poster, you know, with the, the, the important dates uh, in Japanese baseball history. And just to be, you know, I, I just want to come out and say what they're really celebrating and what they aren't celebrating. Now, the first thing is what they're celebrating is uh, 150 years ago, an American teacher from Maine came over with many other American teachers and engineers and, and educators and doctors and so on to help uh, Japan. And this guy as one of his part of his job he decided i'm gonna teach my students how to play baseball awesome awesome and his name is horace wilson and he's in the japanese baseball hall of fame and you know it's like he had this huge impact on on japan he wasn't he was like with so many things he was the first but he wasn't the only one Mm -hmm. in fact um, I learned, I learned yesterday, or I learned Friday that the the, I guess a professor, the educator who developed the system we use to express Japanese in the Rome using the Roman alphabet, mm-hmm. uh, a man named Hepburn, we call it the Hepburn Romanization system. His son may have been teaching people how to play baseball even earlier than Wilson did, but Wilson's famous because he translated what were then uh, actually 17 year, the 17-year-old Knickerbocker rules made by the Knickerbocker Baseball Club of New York. So he, he translated the rules into Japanese. Wow. 
So, so that's that. Yeah, and that'll get, that'll get you some prominence. <laughs> yeah, well, and and fair enough. So he has this huge uh, part in Japanese baseball. And I guess the other thing is the reason I wanted to bring it up this week because it's sort of a spurious date. When did he first, you know, say Japanese um, people? This is baseball. Baseball. This is Japanese people. I know you. You'll get to know each other in the future. That kind of thing. Introduction. Right. Right. But, Formal introduction. <laughs> that's right. You know, probably with Meishi, Japanese <laughs> business cards. So. Anyway, in the process of this, and I'm doing some research for some stories, and I, f- I just hit on this date, which was June 21st, 1923. June 21st, 1923 is really important, but Japanese baseball, it's sort of the date and the thing the Japanese professional baseball now doesn't want to talk about mm-hmm. because it sits outside their mythology. The mythology is that the Yomiuri Giants were Japan's first baseball professional baseball team, and as many of you know, they weren't. The first professional baseball team in Japan was the the Nippon Undo uh, Undo Kyokai. The Nippon Undo Kyokai, and they were based in Tokyo. So they started in 1920, and the the. June 21st anniversary is the anniversary of the first game between professional teams in Japan. So that was June 21st, 1923. It took place in Seoul, which was then a Japanese uh, colony, Uh, played between two teams from Tokyo. So that's the way that goes. Yeah, just shove all those facts aside. Look at this story. This is great. Let's go with this. The Giants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, so it's all about what can we sell, and the Giants don't want to talk about. You know, the Giants, of course, are the big promoters of the biggest uh, promoters of baseball in a certain way. The biggest sellers of baseball in Japan, and what they really want to do is say, "Aren't we great?" Aren't we historically valued? And they are. And they There's are. no doubt because the, what the Giants, the what the Giants did, and this is how it's promoted on the official poster. The anniversary is from 1936 when it's the first professional league game is on their timeline. It says 1936 first professional league game because right. before the before that was really the giants and, and Mr. Matsutara Shoriki's invention was a, a league in Japan. Now, it might have happened earlier, but the pro teams were be, started popping up in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, two in Tokyo and one in I believe the the Manchurian colony of uh, Daiden, uh, Dalian, excuse me, I'm using the Japanese pronunciation. And what happened was in 19 Soon after the teams were founded, in, in 1923, the Kanto earthquake struck, and it was kind of baseball was kind of put on the back burner after all the carnage. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the end of the pro baseball thing until Shoriki uh, sort of uh, re-envisioned it and re- with, a lots, with tons of new capital in 19, starting from 1935, I think. So anyway, so that's the story. That's the anniversary, and that's the part they don't want you to know. But I do want you to know that uh, it is an important one. Next year will be the 100th anniversary of pro baseball in Japan. I think we ought to celebrate it. Yep, 
Yeah. And I'm just glad we have baseball and it has mm-hmm. borne a lot of fruit in, in Japan as a sport. And uh, again, the number one sport in, in Japan. And I don't know how far I haven't seen numbers, but it's obvious when you have <laughs> so much news about it and so many players going overseas and, and contributing the way they do overseas. And uh, it's just huge. And I'm, I'm thankful for it. So thank you. Oh, yeah. Much. I'll, I'll be celebrating uh raise a glass of grape juice tonight for baseball <laughs> yeah i mean i'm i mean john and i probably I mean, what would what would we be doing if there weren't for baseball in japan i i have no no clue i'd be writing about basketball but anyway <laughs> ah yeah i would i had no idea i'd go i'd i might have i might have gone back to the states and be teaching japanese history <laughs> all right all right all right. Well, uh, let's make a seamless transition. And uh, I, we've been wanting to do something with Michael Westbay for a while. And it just so happened that on the uh, this past week, I think it was Thursday, I, I noticed that we were going to you and I were going to talk about Yusuke Oyama of the Hanshin Tigers. And mm. and. Yeah, I had this image of him anyway, because a long time ago, I talked to Brian Bullington one time mm-hmm. and he said he, he threw a, a player in particular. He said, I know this guy's a guest hitter and um, blah, blah, blah. And he explained how pitchers kind of understand what hitters are thinking mm-hmm. by what they swing at and what they take and how they swing and, and other aspects. And uh, so he said, this guy's a total guest hitter, blah, blah, blah. And so, he, you know, I, he told me some things to look for. I start looking at them and I look at Oyama. And I think I said a, about three seasons ago when he broke out, had a breakout season, I said, mm-hmm. well, He's a guy who kind of sits on a pitch, and if he gets it, he just explodes, and that's how he hit most of his home runs. You know, definitely gets it in the zone, and he just attacks it to death, and he comes up with this massive swing, and he hits home runs when he when he connects. Well, um, I just started noticing this season that he kind of goes up in the batter's box, and he's sitting on a pitch, and he's if he gets it, he again explodes and attacks, and he has a bunch of home runs. I thought, but I. Don't take the, I, you know, it's just what I've seen and I didn't know what the numbers were. So I, I was the one who sent a message to Michael West Bay, but he thought it was you who sent it because I guess it was too high level or, or I don't know what he thought, but. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't notice that. I don't know why he thought it was you, but it, I was the one who sent the message and he thought it was you because we have a thread. We have a thread among the three of us. And I said, hey, do you have pitch counts and when guys hit? And he said, yes. And he'll explain it to you. We've got a little five-minute uh, explanation from Michael uh, on what he did. But uh, that's why I saw what I've been – or I, I thought I was seeing what I was seeing. And I wanted to see if it was true. So Michael actually did the research. So let's take a listen to Michael Westbay here. Hey there, pro Yaku fans. Michael Westbay here. I got a note from John this morning, Thursday, June 23rd asking if I still have pitch counts when at-bats reach an outcome. I'm guessing that he's referring to a study I did back in 2014, checking pitch speeds and types to outcomes for both batters and pitchers. Getting the motivation for the question, John elaborated that he believes that the Tigers' Yusuke Oyama seems to have a lot of first-pitch hits. Well, I've been looking for an excuse to brush off my tidyverse skills for a while, So, this seems like the perfect opportunity for it. Naturally, I accepted the challenge. 
The first thing I did was generate a TSV file of all pitches for at-bats during the 2021 and 2022 seasons that ended with the ball being put in play, and that includes home runs. To narrow down the number of players to those who have had a lot of playing time, I further filtered that to only those who put the ball in play at least 550 times over the past two seasons. Oyama ranked 13th overall for all of NPB, putting the ball in play just less than three and a half pitches per at-bat. Hiroshima's Kaito Kozono is at the top of the list, averaging just under three pitches per at-bat when he puts the ball in play, the only player under 3.0. Hmm, maybe it's something Oyama has started doing this year? Filtering for just 2022 data and anybody with at least 180 balls in play, Oyama does lower his average pitch per at-bat to just under three and a third. But a lot of others have also reduced their number of pitches per at-bat, so Oyama now ranks 18th in both leagues. Kozono, by the way, dropped to 2.83 pitches per ball in play, followed by Yakult's Hideki Nagaoka at exactly 3.0. Well, putting the ball in play on the first pitch looks like a very difficult thing to do. But of the 37 batters with at least 180 balls in play this season, all of them have done so on less than four pitches on average. And that holds true for the 26 batters included in the past two seasons with 550 or more balls in play as well. Okay, let's focus on just Oyama. He has gotten a base hit 183 times quickest in the count, averaging doing so in just 3.2 pitches. And he's successfully sacrificed within close to three and a third pitches. I'm assuming most of those are sacrifice flies, so he's at least giving the ball a ride. Next are the majority of his at-bats, where he's grounded, lined, or flied out 365 times in just over three and a half pitches per at-bat. And finally, he's reached on error 13 times on a bit over three and two-thirds pitches. So, do those numbers get better for just the 2022 season? Well, of his four sacrifices this season, they've averaged being hit on just one and a half pitches. Looking at the data, it looks like Oyama has successfully sacrificed bunted on June 2nd on the second pitch of that at-bat. Otherwise, his three sacrifice flies so far this season have come on the first pitch twice and the second pitch once. Of Oyama's 62 hits, they've come on average every 3.2 pitches. No major change there. His 118 hitting into an out has occurred on average less than every 3.4 pitches, so he's definitely hitting earlier in the count more often. And as for reaching on an error... He's done that four times and averaged every four and three-fourths pitches. The four times he reached on errors were on seven, five, five, and two pitches, respectively. So, what have we learned from all this? Well, not only is Oyama putting the ball in play earlier in counts this season, but the league as a whole is as well. And the batter wasting no time putting the ball in play is Hiroshima's Kozono. Hmm. Currently ranked 25th out of 26 batters in the Central League with a 230 batting average, 
maybe Kozono could learn a little more patience at the plate. Well, anyway, until next time, take care, all. All right, so how fun. When you have an idea and you try to see if the numbers support it, and that's what comes out. In fact, uh, Michael, as well, he, he didn't actually get to the uh, to the home run situation, he, he, and it does seem like Oyama is one of the guys who swings more often on the first pitch, not you know maybe as much as I thought. But then Michael did a, a secondary search, and he found out that Oyama is leading Japan uh, in – uh, home runs on first pitches, and he had six. And I thought, yes, I knew it. <laughs> so, what did you think? Well, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not surprised. Um, of course, when when you say I know it, <laughs> I know what I, I know. No, I know what you're referring to. Exactly. You know, he was leading the league, which is in. Uh, home runs on first. He's leading Japan on home runs on first pitches, and you're going, yeah, that's you know that it jibes with what you were thinking. And when Michael's when when Michael heard John say, "I know it," he's going, "Wait, wait, wait, wait! It's just a number. It doesn't mean anything." (laughs) So I'm more of an analytics guy, and Michael's more of a database guy, and John's more of the. I get get things from things I see, and I process things I see. Guy, oh, I mean, yeah. we all do we all do bits and pieces of of those three things, but that's sort I'm of how we're oriented. So mental notation, guy. Mental yeah. So, so as soon as John saw, oh, Yama's number one, says, "Yeah, right, I got it," and we're going. Oh, hold on, hold, hold on there, son. <laughs> so, so anyway, it's a big, it's a big, deep question, but I really liked. Um, it was a lively discussion, and. I, and we're going to go into this, going to dig into this fairly deep in the next week. Uh, and I'm really excited about that. And yeah, it was interesting. I, I thought the Kaito Kozono, I thought Michael's approach is is really interesting because it's sort of like devoid of, it's just the numbers. It's just, sure. this is how it is without trying to say this is good or bad. But yeah, uh, usually it's pretty typical that if guys have low pitch counts as hitters, low average pitch counts, it means they're probably swinging at too many pitches they shouldn't. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure that, you know, maybe for me, it's not that he's not doing well by hitting that first pitch. It's just that mm-hmm. he's not, he's not, a, he wasn't a great hitter coming into pro ball and he became, uh, they were w- really confident about the glove. We haven't really even heard that much about Kosuke Tanaka since he came into the league because Kozono's issue was hitting, and uh, he started hitting right away. But I think I think there are ways to adjust, and so mm-hmm. um, that's part of it. It's maybe attacking early. So I, I don't think he is what he is as a hitter, and we'll see some more adjustments from him. But it, oh, yeah. it was fun, and I and I. Yeah. You know, like I said, I, I had been seeing this from Oyama. I've been seeing him jump on pitches yesterday when the Dragons were playing. The Tigers and the bases were loaded, and there were two out. And I said, don't throw a first-pitch fastball over the plate here to make sure it's off the plate. And they threw him a first-pitch fastball, and it should have been a grand slam. I don't. He just hit it too solid and got a little bit of topspin on it, so it didn't go up high enough. But otherwise, he would have had a grand slam yesterday with the bases loaded. So it would have been home run number seven. He has six so far this season on the first pitch. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I make mental notes. I do. Wa- I don't just watch the games for I, – obviously, I want to see who wins and who loses. But I'm watching 
players. I'm watching their feet. I'm watching who's has that two strike approach. I watch the pitchers and see who's diving at the plate or jumping at the plate and who's doing two leg kicks or double pumps with their legs and all that stuff. I, I watch different things in different ways and take notes. Yeah. I mean, I do too, but not to the degree John does. I mean, I, I will often pick things up at random. John's like, John's a maniacal observer. I'm, I'm sort of a casual observer, but then things latch onto my brain and they don't, they don't go. They're like, like the, the aliens in the in the fam- in the Ridley Scott movie, you know, they didn't latch onto my brain stem. You're making me out to be the Doctor Evil of baseball watching. No, 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 no. <laughs> but I, I, mean, I admire your ability to to focus on all these diverse things and take that stuff in. I I tend to work from once I see it, then I follow it. Right. And then I, until, I, but and then uh, there'll be a hundred other things going on in front of my face, and I don't see it. So. All right. Well, thank you again for that, Michael. And I hope you guys like the the West Wing name. Let me know if you like it or not. I like uh, it. Making a, oh, good, good. Making a two-seam transition. Uh, now, we have three new managers in Japan this year. Uh, Tsuyoshi Shinjo, big boss up in Hokkaido with the Nippon Ham Fighters. And then Kazuyoshi Tatsunami of the Dragons. And also Hiroshi Fujimoto of the Hawks. And I guess I would say he's the least visible of the three guys because we really, I mean... Uh, Obviously, in this COVID uh, era that we're in and you become a new manager, we don't get to see your face very much. And uh, I don't think his face was that recognizable before the mask. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I remembered him from back when I was beginning to write about Japanese baseball. He was he was like specifically had all these really good second baseman. And and he was the you know, he these really athletic guys, good hitters, good fielders. And here's this kind of a roly-poly uh guy but and he wasn't didn't look really fast but he was a kind of a disciplined hitter and he had some pop and drew some walks and it was it was he was a different you know he was a bit of an outlier outlier now but you know he's a manager he's in there like i can i can small ball with the best of them well, uh, he is doing well for the Hawks if you just go by record, and uh, I know a lot of people like to do that, but uh, let's start with the big boss. So we have discussed his antics, which pretty much dominated the early coverage, but as I imagine, that stuff kind of settled down a bit, and it's more about the managing, and we spoke a few epi- episodes back and about his radical and random in-game tactics, and I saw a story uh, this past week that said the fighters hitters were leading the Pacific league in strikeouts and also in home runs. Sure. And, um, they have 53 home runs as of that day. I think it was Friday that I saw the interview, uh, the article, and then they had 559 strikeouts. Uh, the walks and the double plays were also the lowest in the league, however. Mm-hmm. So that kind of, you know, Take that for however you will. Well, that, I, you know, I'm of, not... that goes together because, A, they don't get on base very much, and, B, they strike out a lot and hit home runs. So it's not like there are guys on base in general. <laughs> okay, yeah, I see what you mean. And then when the guys are on base, they strike out so much that it's, you know, the double plays aren't going to happen. So uh, that's not really a surprise. Gotcha, gotcha. So I'm not behind every wild and seemingly, you know, unthought out a tactic that he he pulls off but it, I, I think he has to grow i think i said this at the time that we spoke about it last that he has to grow as a manager and discover what the benefits and the detriments of zaniness will do to a team and the psyche and everything that's happening in these games where 
in which the team, you know, the players are out there doing their best to try to win and he's out there fiddling or, like I said, being zany or being whimsical or... Well, fiddling's a good word. What's that? Fiddling's a good word because I, you know, (laughs) you, you, you were not the only person to notice that he seemed to not notice when his pitchers were getting hammered. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, again, I'll, I'll bring this up again. Jason Cosgrave of the Japan Times, he and I joked one day and, and I said, what is he leaving his pitcher out there for? And, and, and Jason joked, he's waiting for the manager to take him out. <laughs> well, on, on Friday, the fighters said that the pitching coaches are now going to be in charge of the, the uh, pitching changes. On Friday, they announced that? Yeah, well, the, yeah, I, I, how much of an announcement, I can't say, but that was let slip, and it was in a couple of stories by fighters, beat writers, uh, after Friday's game, so. Wow. Well, that's probably all for the best. I mean, uh, you know, I, I kind of wonder what, what uh, Tatsunami is doing with the Dragon sometimes, but, hey, look, I mean, the boss man, it's sometimes he sits there and allows the pitchers to really back themselves into a corner, and sometimes he gets out there and, and he's in front of it, before they even get into trouble. So I, a lot of it depends on who the pitcher is, what the situation is. And look, like I said, they're all growing. Everyone is growing. He's got, he has a lot of young players. He mentioned early on in the season that he was going to give everyone in the organization an opportunity if they were producing. And he has, you know, come that, that promise he's keeping because we've seen some guys we really hadn't seen and uh, didn't expect to see. And, you know the lineups are different the there's a lot of jumbling going on the roster is different a lot of times so um but the wins and losses i think are what it's going to come down to and as we sit here today they're approaching 20 games under 500 they're sometimes non-competitive in terms of i think other teams see them as an easy win if they just go out and do uh the basics and that that leads to some of the kind of zany nutty tactics that big bosses is, is pulling off out there. I don't know if it's good or bad. I just know that they're not winning. And, you know, I think after a while when the dollars or yen in this case, uh, start to dwindle in the second half of the season, because fans aren't out there to see the team get pummeled or lose, or his, his smiles and waves are not enough to keep bringing in fans. That's, that's a bottom line issue. And that might, sour the organization on what he could do in the, in, in the new dome when that opens. Yeah. Well, he only has uh, in a very rare move, he only had a one-year contract. At least that was announced as a one-year contract, but I, I do think the team hopes that they can, you know, open the new ballpark with Shinjo's our bright and cheerful manager. Let's have fun. You know, you know, look at this manager who's so much fun, even though the team sucks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, again, zaniness and all those things. But then you look at Kazuyoshi Tatsunami uh, with the Dragons. And as a fan, I keep having to remind myself that he's a rookie manager and he's also learning and he's processing things. So uh, but I went back and checked and I thought it was just me. I think I wanted to mention this on a recent show, but I didn't get a chance. But the team was doing okay until Tatsunami kind of blew up at shortstop Yota Kyoda for whatever. It looked for us on the outside, it appeared to be something marginal, but perhaps it was something that maybe repeatedly 
Kyoto was doing wrong and it, and it manifested itself in a game. And that's why Tatsunami blew up and ended up sending Kyoto down to the minors. Um, then uh, Takaya Ishikawa, who at the time I think was leading the team in war, got injured. So I think those two things kind of uh, are working hand and foot, so to speak. But it just seemed like the team started to go down after after Kyoto was yanked and sent to the minors. And then uh, I think soon after that is when Ishikawa incurred his injury. And, and now we just got we've got a, a, a just random kind of thing going on uh, in terms of roster moves, in terms of lineups, in terms of what's going on in the games. And they've had these games in which and, and I don't try to pick on managers for every move because we don't know what's behind it all the time. We don't know if they're trying to get a look at a guy, if they're, you know, if one guy, you know, I, I always see that lefty righty matchup as probably advantageous in general, but not always. And maybe you have a pitcher on the mound who can hit that spot. That's a weak spot uh, for your right-handed batter. You'd rather have a left-handed batter go up against a left-handed pitcher because he's going to be able to handle the strengths of the pitcher a little bit better whatever the reason you know we've had diane viciato just i think he's been an abject failure even before his injury if if he is indeed injured uh, but uh uh there's just been a lot of things going on and i recently they had a, these few games where they've had a bunch of hits they've had nine i shouldn't say a bunch of hits but they've had enough base runners they've had uh, i think one in particular two games in a row they had nine base runners and didn't have a stolen stolen base, didn't really have a hit and run, didn't advance the runners, and didn't score. And, uh, you know, I would think after a couple of innings of that that you would try something. I know that it depends on who, where you are in the lineup and who can do what and who can bunt and who you trust to have a hit and run play on with or a run and hit play on with and all these things. But to do nothing all these times and to keep getting shut out, uh, I know that they're trying things because they keep – bringing new players onto the team, even guys who are 30-year-old career minor leaguers they're bringing mm -hmm. up now to give them a chance. But I I just can't – I don't see where he is helping the team. Um, whereas Shinjo, I, I, I don't think he's helping a, a team that probably wasn't that good anyway. Uh, to have some success early like the Dragons did and then to fall back after things that you initiated as a manager from the outside looking in as an observer – I, I'm not sure that he's helping the team now, but I, I have to keep in mind that he's growing too. Well, Shinjo, I mean, they brought him in to be fun. You know, they talked a lot about <laughs> No, got, I mean, they brought no, him that's in to a be lot. Fun. He's doing that for sure. Sure. And, you know, they talked a lot about, oh, you know, don't say he's, he can be, you know, I got, I got called on the carpet by the former CEO for saying, you know, don't be down on Shinjo because you didn't like him as a player. And I said, well, I, you know, I, We'll see. I hope I hope he does well. And some of the things we've seen are the things we kind of expected was, which was guys kind of changing their tune and going in different courses and being themselves, and and that's a good thing. Uh, so I don't have a problem with that. You know, they're getting we're getting what we expected with Shinjo. No, no. I mean, we got the bluster. Like in his press conference, he said, I can teach the players how to score without getting hits. And I say, well, now's your opportunity. You guys aren't getting hits. So let's see how yeah. it works. <laughs> and, uh, but that hasn't happened. 
because we knew it was nonsense. You know, it's, I know what he's saying, which is be creative and be alert on the basis and do those things. But those are, those are small things, you know, those are tiny things, but, but do them and it's fun. I mean, and it, and it gives you, if you can do something successfully and, you know, they were successful at the delayed, they were more successful than most teams are at the delayed double steal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those things will blow, you know, if you, you go to the, the well too too often, those things eventually, people are going to catch up. You know, it's not like a secret that if the fighters have runners on first and third and two outs, the guy on third's coming home. Right. So everybody knows it. So it wasn't a surprise on Friday when uh, Takuya Kai faked his throat a second and said, ah, thank you very much for running into the third out. We were waiting for you. Right. <laughs> so, uh <laughs> You know, so the, those things happen, and and that's that's okay because you do, as you know, John said before. You know, you you do things that are kind of off the wall to push people out of their comfort zone, and make make your opponents respond to you as opposed to you playing play and catch it up to them. And and that's always a that's you know while while I can quibble, and I'm really good at quibbling. I've about, heard. About yeah, I bet you have. Uh, people, people got big mouths, yeah, including me. So anyway, uh, I quibble a lot, and you know, saying you know he could do it at better times, but yeah, that's true. But yeah, that's all right. I mean, that's again, that's also a trivial distinction. But you know, things will catch up to you, and you have to then move on to the next plan and and the next thing that's new. So yeah, so I like that with con with. Tatsunami, I don't really get the sense that he's bringing anything special to the team other than I'm the new guy and I care. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, he, he came in with a sort of a image that he's going to be kind of a, um, you know, a, a drill sergeant kind of thing in the, in the mode of uh, his, his mentor, Senichi Hoshino. And he kind of is and he kind of isn't, you know, and they, mm-hmm. you know, no facial hair and long socks and, and the whole the whole no, yeah don't dye your hair and lighten it and all that stuff and yeah but otherwise we haven't seen too much and then when he did do something weird which was you know trying to and i say weird not weird but managerial let's do let's figure out a way to get akira neo on track because he ain't doing it and you know sure. let's make him a two-way player and i like that stuff because you, you never know what's going to turn a player on and, you know, flip that switch. And speaking of, and the quick thing with Tsuyoshi Shinjo, his career was in the dumps in 1999 <laughs> with the Hanshin Tigers. And uh, what happened was they got a new manager or a new old manager, Katsuya Nomura. And he took one look at Shinjo in spring training and said, you know, basically, who is this clown? <laughs> <laughs> taking my game so you know acting like a celebrity and when shinjo said yeah i'm i'm kind of the star here he says like pardon me and he <laughs> and he looked at it you know his whole thing and he said i can't use this guy and he said to the media well maybe if he starts pitching or something i might be able to use him but right now i can't see so shinjo basically got that message and he went back to the farm and he worked his butt off and he had he had a couple of one of his better seasons for Nomura and for all I know the whole thing with Akira that was the plan with there might have been that plan with Akira Neo but of course what happened was not that wow what a good idea let's see if it works it's he he was 
drowned out by the Greek chorus of, we don't do two-way players in Japan. What are you possibly thinking? You must not be a very good manager for doing this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Until finally they said, okay, sorry, we didn't really mean we wanted to be a two-way player. We said we wanted to be a pitcher. So so I don't know. Um, you have to have a plan because that's, that's such a hot-button issue in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doing it means you're going to invite criticism. And if you don't have a plan to stick to it, then probably you're better off not doing it in the first place. It would be like the Dodgers bringing up Jackie Robinson and then a week later saying, oh, yeah, I guess it's harder than we thought. We're not going to do this. We're not going to go with this integration. (laughs) Right, right. You got to have a plan. You got to you got to know what you're going to you're getting yourself in for. And I, I like the idea because regardless of what the people say, oh, it can't be done. What they mean is it can't be done if you think about baseball the way we do. But uh, there's all all different ways to skin a cat. So. Yeah. And uh, look, I predicted a last place finish for the Dragons, so it's probably unethical for me to say now that he's a minus when you know the wow. team, by my own prediction, is, is, is kind of what had been overachieving. But I would say I haven't seen too much to glean in terms of positivity from this season, especially if the young players don't get out there and learn. It's a complete waste of time. And I look at the I look at the number of wins right now, and the Dragons have thirty. That's more than the DNA base stars. They have twenty nine as we go into play today. Hanshin has only thirty three, and Hiroshima thirty four. So they're right there, mm-hmm. uh, even though they're at the bottom of the standings. And when you look at the the fighters, the fighters only have 26 wins. They have 44 losses. That obviously leaves Japan. And uh, but the the Marines have they're at 33 and 36, so they're way above in terms of uh, wins. And they're fairly out front in terms of if you want to look at having fewer losses, they're they're doing well there. So. Yeah, I just look at the fact that Ishikawa, their most productive hitter this season, he had a sluggish start, but he seemed to be getting things together. And I think he hurt his knee. Uh, And that has been a murky situation. They thought he was not hurt that badly. And then uh, they're going to get him looked at again. So I don't know what's happening with them. We we might see him again. Uh, Yuki Okabayashi has had his moments. And overall, I think he has been on the rise. But Mm -hmm. all these guys look like lost little boys. I mean, they make base running errors. I think I complained to you the other day. Okabayashi was the guy who got uh, thrown out trying to make it to third for no reason with Mm. two outs, uh, and he gets thrown out. And then I think yesterday or some recent game against the Tigers, it could have been Friday, um, they bring in Shohei Kato as a pinch runner. And on a ground ball back to the pitcher. Now, it might have gotten through, but, I mean, you really have to make sure the ball gets through the infield. He didn't. He gets thrown out uh, going too far off a second base as the lead runner. And then they eventually, they didn't get a hit. I think it was an infield hit, but then there was an error. And had Kato been on base, he would have scored. It would have changed the complexion of the game. They ended up giving up more runs uh, later on anyway. But they, instead of taking the lead in in an inning in which they had multiple runs, they were done. And there's just been so many instances of, of that kind of thing where I think the players are seeing that they're not doing anything to, to, you know, they're not putting runners in motion per se. They're not putting on plays. So they're out there trying to do that little extra. And they're, they're, it's been, it has been detrimental to the team as a reverse you know, 
effect, it hasn't been positive. It's been negative. And, um, you know, I, for me, that just goes to leadership. I, I just think, you know, if the guys are starting to take control of matters that they, they just don't trust you. And then uh, as we look at Fujimoto, you know, I have not had one issue with him. You say he likes to bunt. And I, and I say that's very typical of Japanese managers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought about a few things, but nothing that would make me shout at the TV or shake my head that much. He's conservative. He's pretty much straight up as far as tactics that I have seen. But what he has been doing is he is he is getting these players to produce with fierce competition there there's so many lineups there you're not guaranteed it seems like unless your name is Yanagita uh or Nakamura that doesn't really seem that you have a guaranteed spot in the lineup every day and that goes to Takuya Kai the catcher as well um mm-hmm. and we've seen a lot of injuries among the pitchers there and he seems to be working through that now, I don't know if that's him or a team philosophy or management but He's the manager. He gets the credit. You know, he's going to get the blame if they're losing. So he gets the credit because they're managing and getting through there, including this. You know, uh, you said last week you made mention of the fact that a lot of their players are start out as developmental guys. But I'm like, well, they have more developmental guys developing than any other team. So <laughs> what does that say? Because other teams, even if they have uh, that third team or they sign guys as developmental guys like the Dragons have, because I noticed this week they brought in some cheap help with some imports who one in particular signed as a developmental player. You know, if he's getting these guys up and getting them to produce, then that, you know, I'm going to give him the credit, like I said. And, and they've had their share of pitching injuries and still doing well, including this guy Tomohisa uh, Ozeki, who pitched yesterday and was, was very effective. Yeah, well, that's been, you know, I mean, one would wonder why they have, uh, I can't even count. There's so many guys on their developmental roster that mm-hmm. it's hard to keep track of, to be honest. I just that they've got about 45 developmental players, which is, you know, it's bigger than uh, more than a third of their team is on the develop of their organization on the developmental roster. Wow. And yeah. so it's, it's a concerted effort. And other teams are kind of trying to play catch up, but they're still not jumping into the pool the way the, the Hawks have. And all I, all I can say about Fujimoto is he comes out, the, the Hawks are kind of a um, half old school, half new school uh-huh. kind of team in that they have a very strong organizational thing going on, but they're still old school in that when the manager comes in, he has a lot of sway. He can... You know, he can say, no, we're not going to do we're we're not going to allow guys to wait to lift weights or we're not going to have pitch counts. You know, they can do whatever they want because the manager is given that authority. But they they do have a sort they have sort of slowly over the years developed a way they play. Now, as I mentioned, Fujimoto does like his uh, bunts probably more than uh, Kimiyasu Kudo did. But that's a, you know. That's kind of a small thing. Otherwise, sure. he, he's stuck with, you know, these are the guys the organization's got. And the other thing, of course, uh, that he has an advantage over Shinjo and Tatsunami is that he was the farm team manager. So all these guys he's bringing up, you know, he knows them all. <laughs> you know, he's been he's been managing them for a couple of years. He knows sure, all the sure. young guys. And uh, that's, in my, in my opinion, that's always a, a, a good thing. So... No surprises from him. 
I mean, I guess I have been surprised. Like him criticizing his his players in public is kind of a. I didn't know he was that kind of. That kind of manager, I kind of didn't expect it for saying, you know, blaming uh, his catcher for not calling fastballs or something, and come, you know, calling him out in public is is kind of weird. But that's a, that's a typical Japanese manager kind of thing. But meh. But he seems to know what he, you know. He he's got a team that for a he's got a team that's a a bit that are habitual winners and expected to win. Uh, sure. With deep with deep pockets. And a huge, uh, huge resources, so he doesn't have to sort of like scratch and look for solutions. Although he will, of course, he of course he has to because nothing goes to plan. So yes, I'm sure he is scratching and you know trying to fill holes and things that we don't see because he's been more you know he's got a lot of tools to work with. But sure, um, he's sure. got things that that Tatsunami and Shinjo, I'm not certain if Shinjo thinks that much, but Tatsunami probably dreams about having the, that, those kind of resources with the cash strapped dragons. Right, right, right. But um, yeah, success, uh, you know, he's having success and, and mm. I'm going to credit him. All right, we've got to move on. We've got to keep the show going. And speaking of show, the show go must go on. Uh, Ooh, show go. Good. You like that? Yeah. Uh, Shogo Akiyama set to return to MPP after getting legitimate, uh, I, I would say a, a legitimate chance the first half or so of his rookie year in the major leagues. And then he kind of fell off to part-timer and then he became a Klingon and now he's uh, no longer needed and he's coming back to Japan. Um, Klingon being the sense that uh, he was clinging, not 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 the Star Trek Klingon. Not, not that today is a good day <laughs> to die Klingon now. Okay. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, now, I, one story I saw, uh, I read early in the week said Seibu GM Hisanobu Watanabe, um, yes. explicitly said that the, the Lions, the Seibu Lions want him and he thinks he can contribute. I read a story recently that said he, uh, Akiyama met with the SoftBank Hawks. They really liked what they saw. I saw that he met with the Hiroshima Carp and they really want him. So everybody in, in terms of these three teams that are, mm bidding for his services seemed to want him. And I, I didn't see any reports this morning. I'm going to look as we speak now because you never know what can happen, right? <laughs> yeah. I guess the surprise was that the Rock 10 Eagles, who pretty much scraped the, you know, are out scraping through dumpsters looking for former swallows and, and lions. <laughs> Hashtag uh, high heat. Is it really a dumpster, though? I mean. <laughs> yeah, well, if they could find them, they would. Can it just be an office there. trash can? Does it have to be a dumpster? Do we have to go right to the worst possible? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure. I guess it's not the worst possible place. You could actually go to the, uh, to the dump, right? <laughs> that's true. But they're they're trolling for those guys, trolling for those <laughs> those those spare parts. And, you know, every every year and a half or so, it'll be like, well, this guy hasn't played baseball for three years, but he played for the Swallows and the Lions. So let's give him a shot. Right, so, right. Uh, no, but they came out and said, "No, we don't want him." Sorry, don't come knock, don't, don't come darkening our door. <laughs> but, but that, but other than that, that was. Um, I wonder what Ishii had against Akiyama when they were playing with the Lions. Yeah, maybe something. But I'm thinking more in terms of what team can use him. He's going to be where well, he's 34. He's not. You know, he's not going to get faster or anything. Where's the best play? I don't think, 
even in Japan, I think your options might be better uh, in center field that are on your team already. But he's a competent player for sure. I just, oh, I yeah. just don't know, and we haven't seen enough of him in the past two, three seasons to know what he is physically anymore. Um, and you know, you come back to Japan after failing. Uh, I mean, he, it was a failure his big league career because oh, I, I think when he, when he went over, I said I think he's a fourth outfielder. He actually got into the starting lineup. I think was opening day and proved that he was not able to make the adjustments to stay over there mm. so he's coming back and i would I, I would think that the adjustment to mpb he has been gone just long enough for it to be a little bit difficult because there are going to be some old pitchers at whom he still knows but they're pitching differently and then there'll mm. be guys he has never seen and they're just they have a different approach so i don't think it's going to be easy but i know he's a good hitter and i know he understands the uh, the way Japanese teams are going to approach him mm. or attack him, but things change, you know. I, no, you're I don't right. think it's going to be easy uh, well, transition or re- reintroduction. And I also think he doesn't really have a place in a lot. Of, even Hiroshima, I think they have a b- bunch of young outfielders they could use or at least get the experience because. We're looking forward, not just looking for this season. Now, if they, if the Carp think that they can plug him in and and they're close enough to the playoffs that they can reach it, it makes sense. But if not, well, the Carp are leading off with Takayoshi Noma, so that's kind of a giveaway that they could uh, they could probably use Akiyama. Okay. Uh, I I no, I think everything you said is right, and and I think people. I think obviously the lesson from Masahiro Tanaka in, in 2021 was that a the two lessons: one, Japanese baseball is not that easy, and b, it's not automatic that because you played in Japanese baseball, you can play in Japanese baseball now, regardless mm-hmm. of your major league pedigree. But on the um, on the other side of that, we've also seen, particularly with the hitters coming back, they've tended to do quite well coming back to Japan, uh, who, who came back only after, a, especially the guys who were only gone a couple of years. Um, for some, uh, you know, I, I think, I don't, I don't take his MLB experience as he was going downhill. He was, his, his, his performance stats were already kind of in a steady decline, his defense and his uh, batting stuff were in kind of a steady decline. So I, I figured you know that's normal, mm-hmm. and but on the other hand, he could have learned a bunch of stuff in the states that he probably wasn't going to learn in Japan very much, and I that might help him. I, you know, Kosuke Fukudome was in, although he was gone longer, he was one of these guys who was uh, just a, a tremendous, tremendous player in Japan, and for one reason or another, uh, not through opportunity and I don't know what it was and I'm dying to talk to him for years. I've been trying to talk to him about this, uh, you know, what happened because he's, his profile is different. You know, he went to the States as this, as a star level player. And then right. he came back as a star level player, but his performance in the States was so unexpectedly ordinary mm-hmm. from what he had done in Japan and he picked it up and he was a he was a star again you know he didn't he barely skipped a beat when he returned to the when he came back to Japan with the Hanshin Tigers and 
we've seen that jo uh, Kenji Jojima was like that, and and a few other players were like that. I think that's kind of where Akiyama will plug in. I wouldn't be surprised if if by the end of the season, you know, he's got a you know a 350, 360 on base percentage, slugging around. You know, he's got a little power, some um, doubles and triples and things. But uh, yeah, he ain't gonna set the world on fire. But those days were kind of gone anyway. Yeah. Well, I, I just kind of saw all three of these teams as uh, similar in terms of, of fit that he would probably get, you know, you average normally play six games in a week. I would say he'd play four of them for either either any I'm sorry, any of these teams mm. the, with the Lions. Yeah, they have some young outfielders, but again, they're so close to the playoffs that I think they would just rather go with a veteran guy, get in the playoffs and get yeah. that playoff experience than than not. And uh, again, it's the second half part of the season. We're going to talk about by the time they get him in the shape and, and I don't think they're going to immediately throw him into games. So we'll have to see, but I, I would say they're all the same kind of a fit. So I, I don't see uh -huh. one team for me standing out more than the others. I would think he would get less playing time with the Hawks yeah, because there is so much competition. Um, and then I think with the, with the carp, uh, I think he would probably get the most playing time. Yep. Now, I think the thing with the Hawks is the Hawks uh, organization has to deal with um, their owner who believes that every player coming from the majors is a fit for the Hawks and, and perhaps right. will sell more tickets. Yeah. You know, the, the front office had to fight with him over making a huge offer. To, well, they failed when it came to Daisuke Matsuzaka. And then they, but pretty much he wants to throw money at every guy who's a big name. And they have to talk him off the talk him off the ledge from doing that generally every time. So the Hawks have said they're interested. It means that that it's not crazy like most of the stuff that he he <laughs> proclaims. Okay, <laughs> it's not crazy. That 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 sounds like a, a no. But a, I mean, Daisuke Matsuzaka. I mean, well, I mean, it wasn't crazy, but the amount of money they were willing to throw at a guy who'd won six games in two years. Uh, and was a was a uncertain quantity was was insane but it's that's what the hawks do sometimes well yeah that 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 it's not crazy kind of uh sounds like some kind of new commercial uh catchphrase or something like that try this hey it's not crazy <laughs> have billy joel doing that song <laughs> all right well yeah uh the song being you might um, you might be right i might, might be crazy yeah you might be right yeah all right, um, making a one-seam transition, we've got uh, our Rockin' with Roki segment, the Rayra Rockstar, and he pitched on Wednesday, a rare, I think they were talking about that's the fact new, that's that... That's going to be his new day, I think, for until he yeah. gets another 10 days off. Yeah, uh, a Wednesday start, and he looked a little bit more normal, a 2-1 victory at home, the fork ball was working. Oh, yeah. It was a perfect complement to the fastball. Um, they beat the Lions that night, and I think it got the Lions confused at, at times uh, in terms of, you know, it looked like a fastball coming out, but it, it didn't, then it moved, and he looked refreshed, he looked rested, uh, the fastball was live, it was moving, and that's all fine and good, but I was just wondering why the rest was needed in the first place. Is this something we should just look at in terms of he's still a young guy they're trying to uh, notice when he's having a let's say Yoshinobu Yamamoto moment 
and that he he probably should take some time off but a instead of trying to push through it <laughs> i don't know the answers to that yeah we don't know so that that's what i'm wondering and i just want mm. to keep my eye on this and see how many times uh we see him go maybe four or five starts and then take another 10 day break if that this becomes a regular thing or they're just going to watch and see what he is or if there's some injury that he was nursing and they're just not I don't know. It was precautionary. Was it preemptive? I, I, we're just not being told enough information, but he looked good. And uh, I, I was fine with the result. And I'm sure <laughs> Lotte fans are. But I mean, the team is struggling, but uh, you know, Sasaki looks good. And he's fun. it's fun every day he pitches. Yeah, it was a, it was an interesting. Well, I, you know, I watch his starts pretty religiously. Uh, I, you okay, and I the rest have, of the do, baseball I, world, yeah. <laughs> I do not have a Roki Sasaki altar or anything, but not I yet. Do, no, not yet. But, <laughs> but well, if they put me on CNN, if they if he if he gets me on CNN again, maybe maybe I will. There you go. <laughs> uh, no, uh, this week his command was very good, which is something we've missed for about a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the action on the splitter was very good. His fastball still's got, still has more tilt to it uh, than mm-hmm. it did, and which means it's moving. It's move. It's got more arm side run, and it's flatter um, than we saw at the beginning of you know what we saw in his uh, that uh, amazing April. So I think they're still working on those mechanical issues. But the other thing I want to point out is. That in past, his velocity, which is much better than it was last year, has been has been steadily dropping. And I, I think at the beginning of the season that probably was a little due to fatigue. Uh huh. But I'm, and but what I'm seeing, or what I'm, I'm I'm guessing. I'll just say guessing is probably the best word. Is that they're basically saying, you're. You know, as you've said in the past, no max effort. I think he's been trying a little too much max effort for their uh, tastes, Mm -hmm. for the Marines uh, training and coaching staff's taste. And they've basically said, look, ignore the speed gun. Right. Don't look up. Don't look up. (laughs) Yeah, because he was uh, pretty much for for until the middle of end of may he was every game was there was going to be a pitch 164 and there was going to be a bunch of them and then there was some in the eighth inning or seventh inning or sixth inning he was uh but his command was suffering and i think his max i think he threw one pitch at 163 and that's a second Mm -hmm. straight start which he hasn't hit 164 and i think that's a thing is to you know stop trying to you just, just throw harder and work on executing better because his command was good. Um, the splitter was very good. The fast. Uh, the other thing was he's using the slider so much more. And it's like that really messed. Again, that was the second week in a row where it really messed up and a second outing in a row where it really messed up an opponent. Um, and that's good. I didn't notice that, but uh, I mean, he needs another pitch, and and I think when he gets to be really good, he'll be a guy who can throw. He can work a changeup in there once in a while. And, I haven't um, seen the changeup yet, but yeah, I, um, yeah. He, right now he's kind of mimicking uh, Shohei Otani. He doesn't throw a cutter yet, um, but the cur yeah, it's right now it's curve slider, splitter, and fastball. But he's doing the 
he throws a very tight slider, uh, particularly to right-handed hitters, and he's saving the, the fork ball mostly for le it's going uh, more to lefties, but he'll mix it up a bit, I'm sure, moving forward, but that's where it is. But yeah, in the future, I'd like to see him. Um, you know, he does at some point, he's going to need to develop the the tools he needs to stay in, the, you know, stay on the first team the entire year. Yeah. If he's healthy. Um, and maybe he's developing those. You know, I, I think the Marines aren't taking any chances. So uh, I think that's a good thing. I, I think that's generally a good thing. I don't want to, you know, push the panic button yet. So, okay. But I enjoyed yeah. it. I thought it was, it was a fun start and the Lions were being very... Um, most of the time you see teams facing him, they realize they can ambush him when he's uh, either behind in the count and he's throwing flat fastballs or missing with splitters. And they were, they were swinging pretty aggressively. And once they started swinging aggressively, there were a couple of bats where nobody saw anything except fork balls that were dipping 10, you know, that they were missing by five or six inches on their swing. So it was that that forkball coming back was was probably the the, the forkball was the star of the show. Well, yeah, I, I, I just think we have to keep in mind he's a work in progress. He is going to develop as a pitcher. He's going to throw more pitches more uh, in terms of just not ramming back and throwing the fastball a lot or too much or max effort and all those things that he's going to work in these secondary pitches and uh, to where they're they're not just his you know split his split fingered. <laughs> pitch to try to get guys off but they actually throw these uh the curves and the sliders for strikes and uh just totally mess batters up <laughs> mentally because i don't think they'll be able to sit on anything so um but we've got to move along uh that was very much enjoyable and perhaps next week we'll talk about the problems with makun because masahiro tanaka yeah. has two bad outings in a row but we don't have time this show let's go to fielding questions So this one comes from Brian in California via email, and he said, I think about three weeks ago now, great show as always. I've never heard of a hit and run with the bases loaded. Apparently it worked in this case and the batter single. That is correct. In exchange for that fortunate outcome, potentially an extra run scores that otherwise wouldn't have on a specific play, but here are some more likely results I can think of. Batter lines into Taylor made double play if one out or triple play if none out. Runner coming from third gets absolutely nailed by a batted ball. He can't run away out of the baseline on a 3-2-2-out two, two pitch because he has to try to steal home if the batter whiffs. Batter misses pitch or pitcher throws one away out of the zone and runner from third is caught stealing. I've never seen this play in my life. I would think an MLB manager, even Joe Madden, who if he put on a bit of hit and run with the bases loaded would probably be fired after the game. Of course, Madden might be fired for other reasons anyway by the time you read this and that was not the case when I read it, but it was it is the case now Madden is gone. Thanks as always Brian in California and I say yes Brian, you are so correct. We didn't really get into specifics about that particular play. I, I just said, "Hey, look, uh, they were they were winning at the time, and they I think I believe they were up for nothing, and getting some extra runs was imperative. Apparently, it was worth risking. Uh, now, Shingo Usami was the batter, and he's a left-handed batter, so I wouldn't think that you would have to worry about your runner getting beheaded by a pitch going down the." 
the third baseline. But it is possible swinging late at a fastball because you don't know what's really going to come on a 3-2 pitch, and it could be a fastball that he's late on. There are a lot of things that just could have been crazy about that play. Um, you know, the big boss and his craziness, the actual things that he does, I'm not going to say it's terrible because he doesn't have a team uh, that is expected to reach the playoffs, that was coming into the season expected to play, reach the playoffs, doesn't have an uh, abundance of talent. He's, he has to be innovative. He has to do things differently, I think, in some aspects. But he is, <laughs> I don't want to say harebrained or half-baked, but his tactics are wild. <laughs> He's unconventional. I mean, we knew that. <laughs> no, I didn't want to be nice about it. Unconventional is a, is a nice way to say, you know, it's like when you say heavy set for a person who's overweight. I mean, it's it's politically correct, but it's not necessarily <laughs> not necessarily getting around the issue here, how you're describing them. So, yeah, you can say that. Unconventional. I'm going to say uh, wild. <laughs> He's a wild, wild card. Wild at heart, baby. Yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm I'm more of a ditto what John said. Now it's it's fun, it's weird. Yeah, go for it. Does it does there are lots of bad things that can happen. I I think the the thing about Shinjo, I think that listening to Brian's question, the one thing that kind of strikes me is I, I don't think he really sees the downside of doing anything. <laughs> you know, he basically says if we do this, this could work which makes me think, how come he's managing the fighters and not working with the former president of the United States? Because, you know, hey, we do this, let's go for it. Um, and it's kind of that thing. It's like everything I think is, is could work, so let's do it. And then, oh, but, you know, millions of people could die. Oh, yeah, that would be, that would be a problem. Okay, well, maybe not. So... Uh, that seems to be the thing is that, or at least that strikes me is that he sees, he sends to look on the bright side to, to the degree that's almost scary. Right. Yeah. Um, he, you're essentially saying he's thinking like a 17 year old, you know, thinking about yeah, only mostly yeah. the positives and, and not the consequences. I think so, he yeah. knows, you know, he knows baseball. Uh, you know, that's what the, his defenders said when he was hired. Oh, he knows baseball. And yeah, he does. He's played it a lot, but I'm looking to see that side of him that understands uh, anything other than the immediate benefits. Yeah. So I think that, yeah, the 17 year old boy's analysis is probably analogy is probably pretty good. All right. All right. All right. We got another question on deck, but we'll have to put that off until next week. I'm sure you guys are tired of hearing us jibber jabber for all this time, but we appreciate it. Uh, and uh, we'll be back uh, hopefully on our Sunday schedule uh, as usual. Anyone else who has a question or a comment or MP3s, people, we just really have not been getting the MP3s. We want to hear your voices for sure. Um, hit us up, first of all, at JBW Podcast on Twitter with the hashtag High Heat. Send questions via email and MP3s to yakyujohn at gmail.com or hit us up on the Facebook page for a comment there. Look for us on Google Podcasts and iTunes. We will talk to you next week. Enjoy your baseball. See you at the ballpark. Follow the hosts on Twitter at JBW Podcast and at Paul Allen. And feel free to submit your questions by email or tweet with hashtag high heat. 
Thank you for listening to Japan Baseball Weekly. 